have a couple questions for you here for our question of the day. But let me ask you, do you have answers to them? I do have answers to or these. Or are the questions more interesting than the answers? No, I think these questions are resolutely uninteresting, actually. But okay. these are the kind of questions I get asked a lot, and I know you get asked a lot, and I know that a lot of people who do what we do for a living, which is write and talk for a living, get asked a lot. And they're very, very basic questions. And therefore, even though they're not inherently interesting questions to me at least i think they're important for a lot of people out there so i'll run oh them my by. god you have analyzed those questions in so many different ways like that's practically the whole podcast you're welcome very much okay so these are actually two related questions number one what piece of advice would you give to someone looking to become a freelance writer journalist in the same spheres in which you work meaning like freakonomics question of the day kind of nonfiction. sure and number two what advice would you give for someone starting a new podcast the fact that there's someone asking that question indicates how popular podcasts have become. So I have some things to say, but I'd rather hear what you have to say first. Okay, so both of them I make a living at. It's not the bulk of my living, but both of them I make enough. You make your primary living selling cocaine, no? Well, crack now is the new cocaine, right. so, and, and crank. I would say both are incredibly hard. So with writing... Oh, uh, that's that's so discouraging. That's a discouraging way to yeah, start. Yeah, no, no, nobody oh. nobody should... You're trying it, to discourage them? Is that what you're saying? Maybe, because nobody should go into writing with the idea that, oh, I'm going to make a living at it. But I'll tell you exactly how to do it, is you have to have incredibly unique things to say, first off. And then in today's world, which is a little bit different than yesterday's world where you published Freakonomics, and we could disagree about this, but in today's world... You have to write for free everywhere. Be on there's a million websites that are big popular destination websites. Write for as like LinkedIn, Medium. We should say this is your opinion. This is my opinion. Cuz I have a friend from Newcastle and here's what he would say. He would say, "James, that's crap. That's total crap." Well, your friend I would like to see him make a living at writing. So maybe he does from the prior maybe he does. ways. No, maybe he does. Maybe <laughs> but but you have to spread your vision and word everywhere. So you become the destination. Not one website, not one book. N no, There's no destination other than, oh, where is he or she speaking or writing next? And then finally, someone will pay you to either write more or speak more or consult more or coach more. Writing now is an umbrella and you're making money from multiple sources of income if you're doing it right. Podcasting is the same way. You're going to you're gonna make money as a podcaster if you're already well-known as a writer. Or like I saw Shaquille O'Neal started a podcast. If you're already like known as a basketball player, the best of all time, you're going to have a popular podcast that will make enough to pay basic rent or whatever. To do all that, you have to put a lot of time into it. Like when you first start writing, there's a huge gap between what you write and what you view as good writing. Because if you love writing, you're going to see all these great writers who have already put 20 years into it. And then you start writing, your writing's going to feel like it sucks. So you're going to have to put in a huge amount of time, not only to have your unique vision that you're saying, but also to just be good. So it takes a long time and it's frustrating and it's depressing. and it's hard. That is frustrating and depressing and hard. And, you know, as much as I kind of rebel... And you can't deny, you can't deny you went through that because I was there, I saw <laughs> you. Well, and by the time I met you, I'd been writing for a long time already. So, no, I did. And you were on the verge of tears before Freakonomics came out. I was on the verge of out. tears. You, you say that. You deny it. 
How do you, do you how, what do I look like when I'm on the verge of tears? Show me the. <laughs> <laughs> help that's, me. That's not help verge. Me. I don't think that word means what Spock. you think it means. That's not the verge. That's tears. I'm in tears. You're saying I was crying. Okay, okay. Okay, the verge for you is, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty right. That sounds right. That is true. You've told this story before, so I don't know if we want to repeat it. But uh, basically, right before Do you ever get insulted when <clears throat> when I tell that story, because I never ask your permission to tell that story. Uh, no, I don't. You know, it's what I I think you're one of the least insulting people I know. That's why I like right. doing. That's why I like being friends with you and doing this show because you have a very good way that I try to learn from of being critical without being negative or accusatory or any of those things. And by critical, I mean like, you know, actually saying what needs to be improved without it feeling like, uh, you know, any, like you're attacking it. I also hear you, you don't trash people. I, I can think of very few people that you've actually said, you know, that that guy or that person, I really think they're a bad person or I don't like them. You just you just kind of ignore them, which I think is a, a good yeah, approach. Yeah, that is my approach. You know, there was someone you were trashing the other day. Who was that? My mother. Yeah, that's that's a regular. <laughs> Your kids. Yeah, well, all the time. My dog. You weren't very friendly to my dog today. But I was neutral. I said I was dog neutral. You said you were dog neutral. Your words were dog neutral. I didn't your hate actions your dog. were dog negative. I didn't hate I think your dog. You were sending out an anti-dog vibe. I didn't kick your dog. You didn't kick your dog with your feet, but I think you kicked with my your dog eyes. with your feelings. That could be. We're gonna pause here for a moment. More answers right after the break. How should I manage my money? Whether you're a multi-million dollar investor or just starting out, the answer is Betterment. Five years ago, Betterment built the first automated investing service to help make it easier and less expensive to make better financial decisions from building wealth to staying on track for retirement. Betterment's smarter technology provides personalized investment advice based on your financial goals, then builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each goal. With automation of rebalancing, deposits, and tax-efficient investing, Betterment helps save you time and money and gives you peace of mind for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. And it's easy to start investing with them by linking your bank account or rolling over your 401k or IRA. Betterment is already managing billions of dollars for more than 100,000 customers. Don't you want to be a smarter investor? Sign up today on your computer or smartphone and get up to six months of free automated investing. Get the offer in full terms and conditions at Betterment.com slash question. Betterment, investing made better. Sign up today at Betterment.com slash question. If someone asks me, you know, uh, what do you do? How do you, you know, let's say someone studies journalism or they just want to write nonfiction. So I think there are some basics. And I think there are some advanced things. So I think the basics are what I would want to report now. One is I think people don't value enough just basic reporting. By reporting, I mean it can be any form. When I say reporting, it can be anything. It can be interviewing one person. It can be interviewing 100 people. It can be doing archival research. It can be going to a place and writing down or observing what happens in that place at different times, doing a little bit of you know basic empirical observational research. But I think that what um, people don't appreciate is that, yeah, there are a handful of people who get really 
I guess, successful is the best word for being opinion people, opinionators, pundits, and so on, who really don't add any um, data, any information by basically telling people how to think about something. And just to interrupt, uh, which I said I want to do in a prior podcast, but I am. You are counting all of my appearances ever on CNBC, but now go ahead. I'm counting them as pro or con. You're saying no, you no. contribute something or I, you don't? I contributed nothing, nor does any pundit. No, I don't, on I don't believe that's true. I, I know you're not being truthful about yourself because I know that when you get rid of it, you work harder for one of those stupid four minute hits on some TV oh, show. Oh, yeah, you were there. I, yeah, I was there once with you. You prepare harder for one of those than anybody I've ever known. And the reason is that if you want to write, and when I say write, I don't care whether we're talking about writing a book, writing a tweet, doing a podcast, even if it's not written down. These, are all, these are all just writing. If you want to write, you better have something to tell people that they, A, might care about a little bit, B, that they probably don't know too much about, and C, can trust that you are telling the truth to some degree. And therefore, I think the single most important thing to do in any kind of nonfiction writing is work really, really, really hard to find out stuff that people don't know and might want to know. Now, along the way, there are a lot of subtleties. I think you need to be as fair and decent and non-gotcha as you can. I think that gotcha journalism is a very attractive thing, but you don't last long at that, and it doesn't feel good to do that. I think also a, mis- a common mistake I see people make is they write from a pedestal. So they'll say 10 ways to be a better leader or 10 ways to be a billionaire or whatever, but they don't, at some point, they weren't a great leader, so they couldn't say these things. So I really want to hear the story of when they were bad and how they learned to be good. I happen and, to agree with you. I and, love and, to disagree with you, but I happen to agree with you entirely. No, I think that. you do that very well on on Freakonomics. You don't just say, here's the data, here's what we learned because we're such gods of economics. It's here's like how we found somebody who had an experience that transformed their lives. So that gave them 30 years uh, of uh, impetus to research this area and and do what they did. Like you, you dive deep into what are the personal reasons, painful reasons, why someone is doing what they do. Right, that's true. I also think that it's e- it can be easier to emulate not failing than to emulate success. Like people love to read success stories and say, "Well, I'll just copy that," without realizing that almost any success was really anomalous on some level. But that if you can look at how people fail, whether it's yourself or whatnot. And you relate to that. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, this is, this is close to what you just said. I think it's really important as a writer or communicator or whatever to don't tell people what to think. You know, if right. you've got something that you really, really believe to be true and valuable and worthwhile, just write it down and support it and make an argument for it without saying, and therefore... This is how you need to do it. Right. I think if you keep in mind the idea that advice is autobiography, hmm. like no one can really tell, I can't tell you what to do. I can only tell you I've been in a similar situation. Here's how I dealt with it. So my advice is always autobiography. The one thing I want to add about podcasting, though, and here we are doing a podcast, a podcast is a fancy word. What it really is, is just an audio file of someone talking or doing something. So call up your grandmother and interview her and ask her what it was like, you know, 70 years ago. And that's your first audio file. It's so funny you say that. My first book 
which was called Turbulent Souls, and then later was republished. Uh, it was then called Choosing My Religion, but it's the same book. So Turbulent Souls was a story of my family, my mother and father. I'll, I'll give you the very, 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 very brief version. My mother and father were both born first-generation American Brooklyn Jews who both, before they met each other, both converted to Catholicism and then had eight kids, of which I'm the last. I grew up Catholic. Then in my young adulthood, I ended up returning to Judaism. Anyway, that's the story of the book. I never meant to write a book. I was never the kind of writer who ever wanted to write about myself at all. I thought that was grotesque and weird. The way that book began was by doing what you just described, which is I went to my mother literally to make an oral history on tape for my brothers and sisters, which I thought would be a nice Christmas present. I was the the youngest of the family. I wanted to give them that. And by sitting and the act of sitting and just asking someone that you know or even doesn't have to be someone you know these questions – became this thread that I pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled and became the book. And that was about 20, more than 20 years ago. And yesterday, James, I attended uh, my mother's long dead. My father died when I was a kid. So this history has been tumbling past. But just yesterday, I attended the birthday party of an aunt of mine that I met through this reporting on the book because I didn't know any of my Jewish relatives. Now I know dozens, hundreds by email at least, and dozens personally. Then there are many, many, many more who died years and years ago that I never got to know. But yesterday was the 100th birthday party of this aunt of mine. And it all began, I would have never met, and it was one of the most wonderful days I'd ever been to. My son, who just she, turned... she a healthy hundred? She's unbelievably... What, what, how do you attribute her health? I have no freaking clue. I just, I, I, that was the conversation, that was every conversation at the party was, what do you eat? How do you exercise? What do you... And, and basically, it was just like a bunch of nothing. She's just like, I will tell you, she's got an unbelievably positive attitude. Does she laugh a lot? She laughs a lot, and like you, she's fixated on doing stuff for other people, fixated on it. So she's very happy. She's very fulfilled, but she's fixated on making other people happy, keeping them fed, all this stuff. But I brought to this party my um, my 15-year-old son. I wasn't even going to invite him. I, I was driving another aging relative to this party. She really wanted to go, so I took her. I, wasn't, I hadn't even known about it. And uh, my son, who really likes family, which I like, he says, hey, Dad, you know, do you mind if I come with you? And I said, you know, buddy, it's going to be like seven hours in the car to go to this party then have to drive, you know, back. And he's like, no, I want to. And it was like one of the best days of my life to have him there with me. That's great. And to meet all these other relatives who were in their 80s, 90s, and so on. And it all began because I sat down across the table from my mom with a tape recorder and said, hey, let's have this conversation, which is basically the modern version of saying, hey, let's make a podcast. But you know, I want to, I want to, I hate to always lengthen the podcast, but I want to point out one thing there. You you didn't start that thinking, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars writing a book. You started that thinking, I'm going to do something. Totally. Totally. With the audience of just my brothers and sisters to help them. And and that was what you were thinking. I think many great books start off that way with just a small audience in mind and a love and a passion for it in mind. And that's the greatest writing of all. Yeah, you know, I have nothing against art for commerce's sake, right? Like if it weren't like, you know, the Medici system, you know, patronage, some of the greatest work in history, probably most of the greatest work in art history was created because some king or duke or cardinal paid for it, right? 
And that's that's the way the world works. But I agree that if, I, I mean, I guess this goes back to both of these questions that were asked today. Like, how do you write good journalism, nonfiction? How do you make a good podcast? I think it all goes back to be insanely, crazily, passionately curious about something for its own sake and, and for your own sake. And I want to add persistence. And this is different than 10 years ago. I think the best way to market a book or a podcast right now is to do another book and another podcast. Persistence is the most important thing if you want to make a living. So we better hustle up and make some more episodes, huh? Yes. Hey, James, that was fun. We'll hear a clip from the next QOD right after this. Thanks again to Betterment for sponsoring today's episode. As the first automated investing service, Betterment has revolutionized investing, making it easier, more straightforward, and less expensive to be a smarter investor. Get personalized advice and investment management for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. Sign up today and get up to six months of free automated investing. Full terms and conditions at betterment.com slash question. Betterment, investing made better. Sign up today at betterment.com slash question. On the next question of the day. The question is, what is a mind trick you know of? And I'll give you, and somebody answered with some really interesting answers. For instance, if you ask a question and receive only a partial answer, respond with polite silence. Simply wait. A more complete answer will usually follow. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 